Hey everyone, and welcome to episode three of the crypto series. We have had a long gap with Christmas and New Year holidays. Hope you all had a good break. And then, of course, the year started with this Omicron variant business. We had a lot of shuffling around going uh, happening, so uh, it took us a little bit of time to get this uh, next episode running. With that in mind, I would like to apologize for the lack of sound quality in this episode. We are quarantined all around the world, and we are somehow trying to get this podcast recorded from various locations. Anyways, without wasting any more time, let's get into it. So, Abhishek, the biggest question I think on all our minds is what what happened with the bill? Wasn't it supposed to come out in the winter session? I had a feeling that this was going to happen just like the last time. But anyways, do we have any insight on this? Yes, the Indian government was uh, slated to introduce these new regulations on cryptocurrency in the winter session of the parliament, which kickstarted, I think, in November. But the session has ended and the cryptocurrency bill did not make it to the table. And this has happened uh, the second time this time because first it got deferred in the budget session uh, starting of uh, last year. Uh, I was reading an article in uh, the Business Insider and it quoted uh, Finance Minister uh, Nirmala Sitaraman and she said that the proposed rules are waiting for uh, sign-off from the cabinet. Uh, she also confirmed that the pending crypto bill is most definitely different from its 2019 iteration, which banned all crypto-related activities in the country. Now, um, what she means by uh, different, uh, we don't know. It's mere speculation at this point of time. So what does this mean? It seems that nothing has changed in the crypto world in India and we're still in that gray area. Probably, yes. I mean, let's hope that they take it up in the budget session. But again, you know, budget session is uh, typically a heavy one. Let's hope it finds its way through this time. Okay, well, I guess there is no point in speculating what the bill might or might not be. And we just have to wait and cross that bridge when we get there. For now, let's continue with today's topic of discussion, which is going to be about the crypto industry's carbon footprint. This is something that everyone either warns me about or asks me about. And I think it's time we have a discussion on it. Before we start talking about the carbon footprint aspect, I wanted to understand what is causing this concern about carbon footprint. Maybe can, uh, Raddy can help us there. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, the question of the carbon footprint is the new hot topic uh, in terms of Bitcoin denial. Um, it's the new version of FUD. And at first glance, it seems like uh, a valid question. But when you dig deeper, it's actually a non-issue. Unlike many other cryptos, Bitcoin is based on the proof of work concept, and it's not a pre-mine, which means that in order to make new coins, energy needs to be spent and computers need to solve complex equations in order to manifest the coins. Um, most other tokens are pre-mined, which means that they're programmatically they're programmatically created and people can then just receive them via airdrops or, or buy them on exchanges. Bitcoin is different. And it is this proof of work concept that over time has had more of, um, of an energy requirement, uh, so to speak, because the, the amount of computing power necessary to keep the global system going increases. And so does the energy requirement. 
Okay, well, um, that's um, that's really informative to understand why the question even arises as to uh, uh, crypto having a carbon footprint. Maybe uh, you can shed some light on um, how uh, people are handling the situation, how uh, the miners uh, are handling this, uh, you know, aspect of uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so currently, as the as the network stands. It requires about uh, 0.5% of the global energy output. Uh, and I know this might sound like a lot. I think in terms of um, in terms of terawatts of power, it's close to 100 terawatts. Um, you know, the, the information keeps changing as miners go online and offline. But let's let's assume it's around 100 terawatts of power. Now, this this. Um, one of the arguments is that I think this is this is more of the global energy require. It, this is more of the yearly requirement of countries like Finland. And you know, when anyone hears this, it's a it's a scary thought. Will Will Bitcoin just require all the energy in the world? Will we all be working for Bitcoin and using energy to support the system? But you know, like I said, the argument uh, kind of falls apart when you realize what kind of power is being used and when it's put into perspective. So for example, the legacy, um, the legacy financial systems that currently operate the world, you know, all the big banks, all the, all the, um, the channels that transfer money, all of those things put together, they actually, they actually require more than 250 terawatts of power a year, which is double the requirement of the Bitcoin network. Everyone's driven past the banks at night where after they close, all the lights are on and all the systems are working and all the computers are, are on. The fact is, you know, we live in a world that requires power. Everything we do requires power. And when you start putting it into perspective, Bitcoin actually requires a lot less power than all these other systems. And what the miners are actually doing in order to, uh, in order to make this a greener process is they're using... They're using efficient forms of energy. They're using waste energy. They're using last mile energy as well because the, the energy industry is, is a complex thing and not all energy can be used all the time. Not all of it goes to power your house and power the shops and the factories. You know, there's, there's a lot of wastage of energy and the miners are always looking for the most efficient form of energy in order to maximize their profits. So it actually incentivizes them to look for the cheapest and most renewable form of energy in order to use it to mine Bitcoin. Because then when you're using cheap energy, your costs go down and your profits go up. So the miners are very, very smart. And if they're paying too much for energy, they switch off the rigs and they, they relocate. There have been many cases in the past where, you know, the the cost of electricity will go up in a certain region and miners will just pack up and they'll relocate. So they're actually after the the cheapest and most efficient forms of energy. And, you know, Bitcoin is is such a a beautiful thing when it comes to energy efficiency it's there there are a lot of there are a lot of remote sources of power out there untapped resources that miners can tap into because you know it's it's one thing to be close to a grid and plug into the grid and and have the power go directly to the consumers but there are some very remote forms of of energy that only miners and only flexible users can tap into and bitcoin is is tapping into exactly this. 
So I'm going to play a bit of devil's advocate here and um, ask you this question. You mentioned that the traditional financial system is consuming about 1% of the global energy output, but um, the financial system is much larger than Bitcoin alone. So is it possible that as Bitcoin grows, as the crypto industry grows, um, we would then have that concern? Like, Are these measures that you just uh, listed out right now about last mile uh, energy usage, etc., are they enough to handle that carbon footprint in the future? Well, the question of the carbon footprint in the future remains to be seen, but I'm pretty confident that because of the incentives for miners to always find cheap energy, they will probably do their best to do so. Um, it's not the, the global, the, the current legacy financial systems aren't incentivized by cheap energy as much as the miners because their business model doesn't depend on getting free or, or cheap electricity. Think as technology improves, miners become more efficient. The network becomes uh, stronger and more robust. Um, I think that the carbon footprint will not have such an impact um, as it does now, or as many other things. You know, but if you think about it, you know, carbon footprints are everywhere. You know, the the carbon footprint of turning on the Christmas light during the month of December is massive. The carbon footprint of people leaving their TVs and electronics on standby mode, that's massive. So, you know, I think it's, it's a very, it's an easy rabbit hole to fall down. And once you learn a little bit more about it, it becomes clear that it's all relative. And the benefits of, the benefits of having a global network of computers uh, solving for these uh, for these equations and making the hardest money that the world has ever seen far outweighs uh, any kind of small detriment. Um, like I said, you know, miners are working towards very efficient energy. Just to, to give you an idea, um, the the gas that's flared from uh, factories in the U.S. Uh, a year, I think the the amount of energy that's wasted in terms of flaring can run the Bitcoin network, and that's in the U.S. alone. That doesn't account for all the other gas mining um, gas mining operations in the world. So, in terms of energy requirements, it it is actually quite low uh, for what it is. So, I think it, it remains to be seen. But I know that there are very smart people working on the problems. And uh, I have confidence that it's not going to be as big of an issue. I think um, what I definitely hear is that we are talking about it and people are talking about it. Um, you know, this industry has had such a big spotlight on it, especially, uh, you know, a negative spotlight when it comes to this, that it, I feel like it has almost forced, uh, you know, the miners and the industry itself to look for ways that they can have a more efficient system. And I think that's what's uh, great about this, right? They're already talking about it early on. Um, so I, I am hopeful as well. Um, and it's absolutely fascinating. Like some of the projects that you've listed, um, this energy would have never been used up by other places, you know, and but miners are able to do it. All sorts of uh, miners are going and trying to do it. So I think, um, yeah, let, let's see how it turns out. Anyways, uh, coming now to the part where I think you all are waiting for, and that's a discussion on Abhishek's crypto portfolio. So I'm going to hand it over to both of you to get on that. Okay, so um, since the last episode, the entire crypto market had a bit of a consolidation. So 
me and Abhishek took a, took our chance to actually put some money in, and uh, we went ahead and we bought a bit of Bitcoin, a bit of Ethereum, some Phantom, and some Cardano or ADA. Yeah, I, I don't know if uh, if Abhishek wants to say any more on that. So I think uh, if I relate this to uh, equity parlance. Uh, the Bitcoin and Ethereum is like uh, buying the heavyweights of the index where you can capture some market beta, okay? Um, the whereas the, yes, and uh, whereas the Phantom and ADA were the, the small caps which can give you uh, good returns because of the good prospects it's riding on. Absolutely, absolutely correct. Uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum are a bit more of a long-term hold because everything had gone down uh, by about 10, 15%, maybe 20 at times. And, you know, we figured that there might be quite a good upside. And uh, Phantom and ADA being uh, layer one uh, solutions, uh, layer one chains, uh, they both had a lot of good development happening. ADA came out with smart contracts not too long ago, and December seems like a good month, and January seems like a good month for for ADA. So um, yeah, those I think are, are medium to, to long-term holds and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. We'll keep an eye on it, but I think based on. No, thank you so much for building this uh, portfolio for me, Raddy. And uh, I, I think uh, what I told myself is now I'm ready to stomach uh, some volatility from here on. Sorry, Raddy. I think I cut you off uh, because of the lag uh, in recording. No, I was just um, I was just gonna ask you what what's about the uh, user experience? You know, how did you find uh, buying the coins and setting the orders? Did you have anything to say about that? Actually, uh, it was pretty similar to uh, any equity trader would find it fairly simple. Uh, if anyone's traded on any kind of terminal before, uh, you know, you you have a host of coins. If you know, um, you know, they're simple. You just type it; it comes up. Uh, you get to see the top buys and top sells. Um, the only thing I found different was you can't, I couldn't place a market order. I had to give a, and uh, what was interesting is, you know, uh, I had loaded uh, s- uh, some money so I could even allocate, like, let's say I wanted to buy 25% of my capital into that coin and it did all the calculation and bought it for me. So it was fairly simple and I liked the process. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you had that kind of experience. And I do find it strange that the exchange you're using doesn't allow market orders and just has limit orders, but it's uh, it's only a minor inconvenience. Yeah, yeah, yeah I I'm think sure. Before, uh, maybe that's something they can fix. Uh, I guess we can <laughs> put in a feedback. But yeah, overall, yeah. pretty happy. Yeah, okay, good, good. I think uh, the markets are quite, uh, they're quite up today. Uh, at the time of recording. So I think if there is a little bit of a consolidation before the next episode, we might look into um, into getting you some more coins and maybe diversify your portfolio, you know, see see if we can do, um, you know, grab any coins that uh, that don't cover any of the, the basis that we're looking for. So yeah, I think that, that would be good. That sounds good. Perfect. Great, guys. Um, so thank you, uh, Abhishek, for discussing your portfolio and Raddy for guiding him on it. As always, listeners, please remember that this space is speculative and you should get your information before you get involved. So thank you for listening. If you do have questions, comments, feedback, or what you would like us to talk about in our upcoming episodes, do let us know in the comment section below. And look forward to speaking to you all next time. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.